Welcome to the More of Me podcast, where every week my goal is to inspire and empower you moms next door to dream big, remember the queen that you are, and take action to pursue your deepest desires. I do this by holding space for mamas who are owning their unique superpower, whether it's by homeschooling or healing people. We are not just moms. We are women with dreams and values that matter, and we are making a difference in this world by how we run our own queendom, aka our home. Today, I've invited Loren, who is a Canadian mom of three, wife and massage therapist turned joyful money coach who is on a mission to help people create a secure attachment to money. So if just hearing the word money makes your stomach turn, or even if you're good with money but see room for improvement, then I invite you to listen to this episode in full. Loren's journey to better money began after she found herself pregnant with baby number three and she and her partner realized that they couldn't afford a third kiddo. Now Loren has created a six-month program called Reset and Rise to help people all over North America improve their relationship with money as she has and she shares just how she's doing that today. We also dive into how managing your money is an act of self-care, the importance of creating a safe and secure communication around money with your partner, and how you can start rewriting your own money story. This is an episode you'll want to get your pen and paper out for, so make sure you take notes. And without further ado, let's get into this juicy episode. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest. I have been following you for a while. We actually met on Clubhouse like months and months ago. And I just love your energy. I love watching all of your reels. They always just make me laugh. And I really like your outlook on money. I don't think that a lot of people put joy and money in the same sentence. And so that's why I was like, you know what, I have to have her on because as women, I don't think that there's enough women out there talking about money. But as a mom yourself, I don't see a lot of moms who are talking about money and building confidence around money and just your outlook is very fresh. So I had to have you on. I'm so glad that you said yes. So one of the things that I want to get started on before we uh, dive into more juicy stuff is really how do us as moms, you know, some, uh, some of the listeners are stay-at-home moms, so they're not making any money. And some are, you know, work from home moms, but how can they begin to feel confident bringing up money with their partners or talking uh, about money with their kids? Oh, well, that is, I feel like we're getting juicy right away. (laughs) Um, Thank you for having me, Sandra. Uh, I'm really excited uh, to talk about this because you're right. It's, it's a subject that um, a lot of us shy away from a lot of us don't have experience talking about and certainly associate with negative feelings as opposed to positive. And so I think if you're just sort of starting to have conversations around money, congratulations. Uh, I'm proud of you for starting. Um, but if you're a, a stay at home parent and you maybe don't have um, or you feel like you don't, don't have any ownership of your financial situation, the first thing to do is to a identify how you feel and then ask yourself why you feel that way it's it's very easy to assume the worst 
uh, when you feel powerless in a situation, but it's possible um, that your partner wants to talk to you about it and they also don't know how to talk to you about it. So ask yourself if you feel powerless because you have been put in that position or you have you put yourself in that position. Um, and if it's something that maybe you've put yourself in, share that with your partner, let them know, hey, I know that I haven't really um, been super on board or, or excited about the process of uh, talking about money, but I want to, I want to learn a little bit more, or I would love to be more involved and just see where your partner's at. You know, there is this sort of invisible, um, emotional abuse that can happen with money. Um, and it's, it's hard to assume that it is, uh, intentional. We kind of live in a, in a world where we sometimes, uh, forget about the intention and we go so much to the uh, reaction or the impression that it leaves, but to give your partner the, the benefit of the doubt that they're not intentionally trying to, uh, harm you financially or isolate you or do any of those things, but, but to investigate that and see what they really need and, and ask them if they're trying to help you or ask them if there's a way that you can get involved or a piece of this that you could take responsibility for and just bring more communication. Um, a lot of times there's just a lack of communication at all around our finances. So I think that the first place to start is just a conversation. So real honest conversation. And just, I think um, something that's worked for us is kind of setting rules before we go into a conversation and saying, Hey, I'm going to be open. I'm going to talk freely, but I don't want any judgment, right? Like we're just going to, cause that's, that's kind of what money tends, uh, the feelings that money brings up is like that guilt and that shame if we're in debt or any of that. So I know that I got ahead of myself. Um, so tell us a little bit about your money story and how you started to build this new story around money. Well, I, yeah, I would love to do that, but you're, you're absolutely right. Setting those rules is so important, or at least like taking the blame hat off and it, it can be a topic that you can feel a little bit less than around, especially if you aren't, if you're doing free labor in the home and you have a, a partner who works outside the home, it can really feel like I'm not quite an equal in this conversation. And so maybe I'm going to say the wrong thing, or I'm going to ask a silly question and they're going to think that I'm stupid. It hopefully you can set those ground rules with your partner so that you can have a safe conversation. And I really emphasize safety in that conversation because, and, and it goes both ways, right? Sometimes we abdicate all of our power, all of our financial power to a spouse or to a partner. And it's safest that way, because then if something goes wrong, they are to blame and we are not. Mm -hmm. Right. So it can be very easily go both ways. So it's so important to have those ground rules so that you can both have conversations in which it isn't, there isn't contempt or fear of judgment. It's, this is sort of a safe place for us to explore. This isn't going to be the one and only conversation we have about this. Um, I recommend having like really regular 
little 15 minute check-ins about money and you can sort of like write out areas you want to talk about and just, just go after one thing at a time. And one thing might be three or four or five 15 minute conversations. It doesn't have to be like a huge seminar. It could just be, Hey, I'm wondering about this thing. And if I could have a little bit more involvement, or if you could explain this to me, cause I'm not feeling totally confident about our savings plan or our investment structure or whatever it is that you have questions about, or I'm thinking about changing this utility provider. What do you think? Bringing each other into the conversation and making sure that it's, that you're both, you know, predetermining a time to do that. So it's not a drive by, we need to talk. You sort of can have a bit of an executive meeting around the financial management of your household. But my name's Loren and uh, I am a joyful money coach. I call myself and I'm an accredited financial counselor. Canada. I am located in Canada, but I work with people uh, throughout North America. Um, I'm waiting to have a, a client from Mexico that hasn't happened yet, but I'm, I'm open to it and I'm taking Spanish lessons. Ooh, so I'm ready. Awesome. I came to be a money coach. Um, my origin story isn't one of, I saved $100,000 by this age. My origin story was born out of debt. It was born out of the moment of realizing we were about to have our third child and my partner and I looked at each other and we were like, what are we going to do? We were having our best financial year of our marriage, of our uh, lives together, which is nearly 15 years. And we knew we couldn't afford another child that sort of like shook us awake. And I went down sort of a more hardcore strict restriction style money revamp and had great success for a short period of time. And then I got really stressed. Uh, it really hurt my marriage. It really hurt my relationship with myself, my ability to trust myself. Um, and I wasn't looking at it as a form of caring for myself. I was looking at it as a form of punishment. I was getting my money fixed because I had been bad because I was bad with money rather than looking at it as an opportunity to show myself compassion and to say like, Hey, you know, you're really, you did the best that you could with the information that you had with the patterns that you witnessed. And we can, you know, practice a little discernment and do a little bit better. And so here are some ways we can get better. And instead I did this like overhaul, flip-flop. No one has any fun. We say no to everything. You know, I, my hair was falling out. I had stomach aches. I didn't sleep. I was more financially stressed fixing my money than I was when I was like oblivious to it all. And just, you know, assuming it was all going to work out. Uh-huh. I've been there. Yeah. And I think it's, it's one of the more common ways to start, right? It is some of the biggest names in personal finance have some theoretically good advice, the implementation of that advice without sort of some guidance or without some objectivity is maybe where we kind of, we miss the ball a little bit. We, we get competitive and I wanted so badly to have that like we paid off a hundred thousand dollars in debt in three years, like sign and be able to like brag about it. And, and instead I, I wore myself and my marriage out 
and the opportunities that we missed out on because I just was so immovable in this like quest to be debt-free without ever connecting to why I wanted to be debt-free, which was what I was missing out on, on my quest. So how did you start becoming joyful around money? Because you didn't have a good money story, you know, like a positive one. And I've been there too. All of these emotions of like guilt and shame, because you're like, I could have totally not bought those jeans. I could have eaten rice and beans for a whole year instead of going out for sushi with friends, but then kind of like weighing that and saying, Hey, the experiences are worth it. I don't have to be guilty. I don't have to feel shame around money. That's kind of what happened with me. How did it happen for you? Well, for me, it was essentially a breakdown. It was, oh, we made all of this progress, but I remember looking around and I had just like gotten mad at my partner for like, I don't know, I think he bought a coffee or like something like under $10. And I was so frustrated and I had been spending so much of this one precious life so many hours a week reconciling our spending tracking everything categorizing and I I just was like I can't do this anymore done and we went back into debt Mm. and I was like well here we are again (laughs) pattern repeats you know and and that does happen it's that's a normal part of change as we, we find ourselves back in the same challenge again. And I said, there has to be a better way. Uh, especially I started my business and then the pandemic hit. And I remember, um, we had gone back into debt a little bit and we were like slowly making our way into a more balanced approach. And I started my business and my husband opened a new restaurant. And we used our emergency fund, which thank goodness we had one. So that is one very great uh, foundational tip that most gurus have is to have an emergency fund. But we had sort of been going through it as my husband opened a new restaurant. And then the pandemic hit and we were out of emergency fund. I was out of work. I'm a money coach, but I've been a massage therapist for 10 years. So when the pandemic hit, I was out of work. My husband's restaurant was certainly not um, thriving at the beginning of the pandemic. We were all shut down and we were in a full crisis. We had no emergency fund, no income. It was uh, crisis mode. And I turned to the personal finance world to get some support to see what, what do I do in this scenario here? What am I supposed to do? And it was just full of shame. It was full of people saying, I told you so, you should have had an emergency fund. It really lacked nuance. And I thought, oh no, I'm making people feel like this. The way I feel right now, Mm -hmm. I'm making people feel that way because I'm just recycling this same advice that I see online. And I just like closed up shop. You know, (laughs) I had one client, I just like closed up shop and just went into hiding and said, I can't reapproach this until I do so without shame, until I can get myself, first of all, stabilized. And I very luckily live in Canada. So our government got us funds. We got the ERB. I can't remember what it stood for. We got that. And 
thank goodness, we stabilized ourselves. I was able to go back to work. And then I started to create a system that worked better for me, better for my brain. Uh, during the pandemic, I found out that I have ADHD. And so putting myself in this, in this framework that just wasn't meant for me, I got a lot of relief in that. And I was able to really start practicing self-compassion. I hired a coach and it was one part about my business. But I think when you, whether you have a business or not, the investment of having a coach to have someone hold space for you and I, and see you and validate your experience and to help you explore what your next best step is, was like earth shattering for me. So by the beginning of next, or beginning of 2021, I was like, I am full on. I know what my vision is here. And my vision is to help people feel safe and have a secure attachment to their money, to be able to take calculated risk, to be able to invest in themselves, to be able to enjoy their life without spending three hours a week at the kitchen table, tracking and reconciling and doing things that maybe are not natural for them. Maybe the analytical logarithms are not for you. And you could be spending that time uh, more easily or more joyfully doing the things that you value, right? It's so it really was a slow evolution for me, but I, my eyes were opened at the beginning of the pandemic when everything got shut down as to the intention and like both both the intention and the way that people will receive my messaging. And that's when I, I thought, if I'm going to use sarcasm, it has to be uplifting. It can't be snarky. And I love to use humor uh, to try to share financial literacy and uh, money relationship stuff and how we can connect to our money and engage with our money in a joyful way and relieve the stress, right? Financial stress is, it's so impactful in your overall well-being, it's it can really make you sick. And if we can mitigate some of that stress, then a lot of the triggers go away, or or there we can create new pathways instead of trigger stress, freak out. We can go, oh, trigger, I have a solution for that. Let me get some help. Oh my gosh, you said so many amazing things because okay, first of all, I don't know, as a coach, I feel like when you decide. And you, and you put it out in the universe, like, I'm going to be a, a coach. It's going to be like, okay, you're going to be a money coach. Well, let me teach you about money. Like you're going to go through the lessons, right? It was like, oh, I'm going to be a mindset coach. It was like, okay, well, let me show you about mindset. And you go through the lessons that you're going to inevitably teach your clients, and so you did a lot of like, hey, this isn't working for me. I'm going to take a step back. You did some introspection. You, you kind of got to know yourself, your money personality. And, you know, that wasn't working for you. And so you decided to approach it in a completely different way that did and take care of you during that time so that you can come out again and be like, I'm going to rewrite this whole story around money and the shame and the guilt and all of that. Because just because people have been saying it for years and years and years, it doesn't make it a one size fits all for everybody. So I love that you're approaching money in a different way because 
that's what you needed. And I'm sure that there are so many people out there. Like I am one of those people, you know, I am analytical and logical, but when it comes to money, I love to just spend really freely because I like the experiences. My story was very similar to yours. It's like you get out of debt, you make progress, and then you end up in the same hole all over again. So how did you start getting better with your money, like money management? Talk to us about how if if someone's in that situation, like how can they start being in control of their money instead of their money being in control of them? Yeah, you said something really important. And it's that as soon as you open yourself to the universe and say, I want to do this, the universe is like, you're going to learn today, yeah. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> It is absolutely, and I, I am grateful for that part, right? I am grateful for that, those experiences because most of what my clients come to me with, I'm like, I've done that, you know, like mm-hmm. I've been there. <laughs> and so if you're finding yourself repeating a pattern that you would like to surrender, it's mindset. And I know you and I are going to agree on this. I recommend being very particular with how you speak about your money. So for me, I separate money into four categories. Uh, well, there's income. And then there are four categories. Your expenses are split into four categories. The first one is security. So these are the things that are that you pay every month that have a consequence if you don't pay them and they keep you safe. They're the things that, you know, worst case scenario, this is what you pay. And the other stuff is just like, we'll eat out of the pantry and we'll get along. Um, The next cat, these are non-emotional in nature. These are things that you don't like get a thrill. Like you said, and, you know, I love to be able to spend freely and, and enjoy the experience. These items are the items that you don't get that feeling from (laughs) like, you know, the utility bill is high this month. You're not like, Oh, feel that like excitement (laughs) bubble up. I feel abundant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those aren't, those aren't the things. Those are the, the security items are the non-emotional items. (laughs) Then the next category is gratitude. And this is what I label debt. And a lot of people are a little bit confused by that, but I, instead of being angry, which is what I did at first, I sort of like turned to face my debt and I was like, like puff chest, like I was ready to fight. And that didn't work great because I took that energy and I spread it all around my family Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel good to stay pissed off. It doesn't, it just isn't. It wasn't bringing me closer to opportunities to uh, enjoy my life. So Mm -hmm. I look at my debt and I use gratitude to be grateful for what it has given me. For us, our debt was a vehicle that I'm so grateful to drive around and it's safe. It doesn't break down on the side of the road when I'm driving with my kids I know that it's a Toyota. So I know that it has great airbags. I'm, I'm grateful that I have this vehicle to go get groceries and all of the things I'm grateful for our student loans. And I'm grateful for the line of credit that we use to help carry our restaurant through the pandemic. I'm grateful for the credit cards that I use to order food when I just couldn't 
I just couldn't do it tonight. I'm so tired. And instead I treat it more like a friend that I'm paying back. And I'm just so glad you had my back when I needed you. I'm going to put myself in a position to never need another favor from you, but thank you for being there. Mm-hmm. And there's just a little bit of a tone switch on that. Yeah. And then the next category is joyful spending. So I figure out every month or not every month, but I figure out based on our income and what we spend on the less joyful things um, and set a number every week that we get to spend on all of that emotional stuff, all of the stuff you talk about. That's like, Oh, that feels good. And then that's the only number you really need to focus on because if you stay there, then we're going to be able to make the other things happen for you. And so if you just focus on the one number, then you get to spend guilt-free. You get to spend without worry, without feeling like, oh no, I sabotaged my whole plan. Um, And then the last category is joyful investing. And so that is where you take the gap between security and gratitude and your spending and you put money towards the things that you really value like maybe uh, your future, like your retirement, future versions of you. Maybe it's kids' activities. Maybe it's making, you know, date nights a non-negotiable in, mm-hmm. and it has to fit in here. And that's where we we sort of carve it out here. But you only, you know, you, you build that with the dollars that you have now so that you can kind of extract more life out of your current income mm-hmm. instead of, getting that overwhelmed feeling and just spending money on whatever that doesn't align with what you said was really important. This way, you know, okay, I'm going to focus on staying within this spending number because then I know that the things that are really important to me are, are being handled that I know we have money for date night. As long as I stay within this number as opposed, and I get to spend all of it, not worry about it versus the, the feeling of like, okay, save everything and spend as little as possible. Mm -hmm. There's just a little bit more freedom and a little bit more confidence knowing that the things that you say are really important to you will be covered. Yeah. Yeah. That that really feels like, oh, you know, it it feels light seeing you say, oh, we have to cut down on this spending. That just feels so heavy. Like, oh, you have to spend as little as you can and you have to like, be frugal and, and you have to budget. So I'm, I'm so glad that, that you're doing this. And you know, that I love talking about self-care and one of the things that, you know, we talked about prior to doing the podcast interview was talking about money as like a self-care form. So can you elaborate on that? Can you teach us how to use money uh, or see money as a self-care? So often when we think about money and self-care, we're thinking about like the indulgent forms of self-care, like spa days and face masks and all of the things that we can buy with our money. Um, But I really like to think about the act of caring for your money, the act of getting your money management and your finances aligned and a system created, getting yourself investing so that the future versions of you are cared for the act of doing that to me is an act of love. It's an Mm -hmm. act of showing the future you that you see them, that you love them, 
that you're excited for what's going to be possible for them. And to build a ritual around engaging with your money is every, every time a little bit better, a little bit stronger, a little bit more brave, a little bit more bold in that, that engagement in being able to build a secure attachment to yourself, to know that no matter what, I'm going to go out into the world and I might make mistakes, but I have myself to fall back on. It can help to build security in your marriage when you're having these conversations together. Because at first it's awkward and uncomfortable, especially because you have, or whether it's a marriage or a partnership, you have two different people with two very different stories around money to very different uh, storylines that have witnessed different versions, sometimes of the same thing. And so just like any communication, it takes practice to be able to say, okay, this is how I saw money to be vulnerable and share that with someone else is that vulnerability is self-care and self-love. Mm -hmm. assuming you're doing it with a safe person, of course, but the act of caring for yourself and each other through taking care of your finances, it to me is one of the the most critical because money touches all parts of our life. It is this like energetic force that's woven into all of our experiences, into all of our relationships, right? Up, down, back, forth, intergenerational money affects our friendships, money affects our families, money affects our marriages, our relationship with our children. And to be able to make decisions with your money, with assurance, to not have your blinders on, to not have, you know, the muzzle on and and be so, so tight to, as to not be able to enjoy, to find a balance in between so that you have mobility, you have flexibility and you're able to sort of go with the flow. It's, it's going to have this cascading effect into other areas of your life. You're going to have that same mobility in other areas of your life because you had the bravery to sit down and look at your finances. You know, it's the Mm -hmm. same as having the bravery to sit down and start a meditation practice Mm -hmm. at first. It's like, Oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. this is, this is, I'm not going to make it. And then as time goes on, you sort of, it might not be this immediate light bulb moment, but you're going to reflect back and go, Oh, you know what? Six months ago, I would have felt really different about this. Like mm-hmm. I got a credit card or a charge on my credit card recently that was fraudulent. And I had to call and say, Hey, I wasn't in Yonkers, New York, at a bakery for $1,500. I'm not sure what this is. And they, you know, they had to cancel my card. And I know that 2016 LB would have not been okay. I would have spiraled if that had Mm -hmm. happened. I would have just, and at that time, I probably had more flexibility to be able to sort of uh, absorb that if Mm -hmm. it were to go wrong. And credit card companies are great for like, okay, that makes sense. You're not located in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would have been in tears. I would have been, I would have just, I just have so much compassion for that version of myself because I wouldn't have 
been okay. I would have really struggled. And now I go, okay, that's just as annoying, just as much of a hassle. Now I have to change everything, but I, I didn't shed a tear over it. And that's pretty cool. Like I got stronger and you know, you can, you can notice those types of changes in, in short amounts of time. So to me, money is, this is a long way around of saying Sandra money is absolutely a form of self-care. The mm-hmm. act of caring for your money is an act of self-love. I totally agree that the work that you do today, the development that you do today is really going to take care of you in the future. So sometimes something simple, like I'm going to do last night's version of me is going to do the dishes so that I can take care of myself this morning, just in case, you know, I don't feel like doing it or just so that I can give myself the morning off. You're giving us a fresh idea of how being confident around money and, and sitting down with our money and having conversations around money and building that confidence and that open communication with our partners, how that is going to take care of us, you know, in a week, in a year, or in 10 years down the road. And it, and it is, it is an act of self-care and, and self-love really. I love that you mentioned to like a money ritual. So, because I love habits, routines, rituals, I want to know like what your money ritual that you do now that's working. I use strategic banking, um, which is just, I have... <laughs> a bunch of different bank accounts where I, I, I use physical separation instead of uh, softwares or apps mm. to track my spending. Um, so a lot of my money is automated. It's just set on autopilot and I don't really have to do very much, mm. but in order to stay connected to my money, one of the things that I do, and because I have a variable income, which is pretty common uh, for our generation, for sure, a lot of people have uh, second jobs or they work in sort of a gig economy or they work hourly. So their checks are a little bit different. Anything um, at the end of the month, I go through and make sure A, I earned what I said that I earn on average. And if I didn't, I know to pull from savings to cover all of that automation. Or if I made extra, I have a game plan for what that money is going to do so that it doesn't just also disappear. Once a month, I go through my personal finances and my husband and I look at what we have earned, what we, what's upcoming. We talk about like, okay, last month, the extra income we split between retirement and debt repayment and a vacation. This month, I forgot that we're going to need new tires all of a sudden mm-hmm. that I totally spaced on and we don't quite have enough in our choice account to cover the tires. So I would like to put hundred percent of the extra funds towards the tires and we can sort of like make those decisions on the fly um, mm-hmm. and be really grateful and excited that we have the funds to cover it, whatever that sort of thing is. So we, we've done this long enough now in a, uh, a joyful and gentle way where I'm not bossing him around around the money um, that we can have a 15, 20 minute conversation about what's upcoming. What would you like to see next month? Do you have anything that I don't know about? Do I have anything that you don't know about? Is there a hope you're looking for? Is there, would, do you need extra pocket money this month? Like we just have a conversation about mm-hmm. the money. And for us, it always like light a candle, 
sit down. I stopped drinking, not for any reason necessarily, partly because it's expensive. And another reason is that my husband doesn't drink. So I would say have a glass of wine, but I haven't done that in a while. (laughs) I couldn't get through the bottle or I would get through the bottle and either way, uh, it felt wasteful to me, but yeah, like do something that makes it a safe feeling. Like I love a candle and a tea or a, a coffee, depending on what time of day we do it at. And we just chat about like, it's like a, an opportunity to do a little micro dreaming session. Mm. Like, what does next month look like? You know, like, oh, there's not really anything on the horizon. What do you think? What about the summer? What do we want to do in the summer? Is there something we want to start putting money towards or whatever it is? It's a chance for us to like check in and look to the horizon. And what do we see out there for ourselves? Whereas before it was just like, it was like the epitome of like, rumination it was just like oh look what he we have done and just like I told you not to spend this money yeah (laughs) it used to be a report card and now it's we have cushions and and fail safes sort of built in everywhere so that if yeah you get midweek and you're like oh no I totally forgot that I told so and so I'd meet them for lunch We, I can have a quick check-in and say, hey, I totally spaced on lunch with so-and-so. Is it okay if I take, you know, an extra, I, I need an extra 20 bucks and I'll have mm-hmm. enough to cover lunch and we can just have that check-in, you know? And, and, it's, and it's not about permission. It's about just open respect and communication and making sure that your partner knows what's going on. Uh, even though, and I'll say, I do the majority of the management I'm the one who's most interested in money. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband doesn't do any of the bill payments. You know, if if he ever got a phone call, he'd be like, I'm going to need to <laughs> redirect you here. Uh, <laughs> but he does know where we're at. He knows mm-hmm. where we're at on our, on our journey. He's on board. We found numbers that we both can feel good about that are equitable and And yeah, we have lots of communication, even if we didn't split all of the physical tasks, Mm -hmm. the mental load of our finances is shared. And that goes back to what we started off with, right? That if you are a stay-at-home mom, you're not making as much money, you can still be part of the conversation and the decisions and be in the know about how the money is being spent because this is what you do. This is what I do too. I love, you know, budgeting and I love Excel spreadsheets. And like I said, I'm very analytical and logical and I'm just a planner naturally. So, you know, it just, it falls on me to pay the bills and to manage the money, but that doesn't mean that my husband gets left out of the decisions and the, and the decision like making and, and in the conversation of money. So I love that you guys are both sharing the responsibility of the money that you're both bringing in. So really knowing who's the better person at budgeting or who's a better person at organizing the money, just knowing like what you're good at and kind of picking up that, that area for your partner. Exactly. Who's, who is going to execute and knowing who's going to execute, right. Instead of making assumptions or making, Mm -hmm. some of us are just better. Some of us have the uh, ability, the access. Some of us have the inclination like you're, you're describing, and maybe it's the, the partner who is working out of the home because they can take 15 minutes on their lunch where it's quiet and no one's interrupting them to do that from start to finish. 
where when you're at home with little ones, sometimes it feels like you go to pay a bill and you walk away because, or someone asks for a snack and you got logged out and it just like, you think you did it and you didn't and whoever is well suited for it to do it and to sort of stick with that for a while is I think a a great strategy, but it is the, the responsibility, the mental load can be so heavy. I felt so deeply when I first started managing our money and I went so hardcore, I felt so deeply that when things went wrong, Mm -hmm. that it was all my fault. Mm -hmm. I felt like I, I was the one who drove this family off a cliff. And if I had been more response, like I could beat myself down for days about it. And it was only once we started doing it, once we both got like flattened by the pandemic Mm -hmm. and we were both sort of at like zero and started working as a partnership, I still was the one who did set up the automation and called the utilities and did the things that needed to happen, but we made the plan together. Mm -hmm. And then that way, when I was like worn out by it, he knew all of the things that I had to do. So he was able to support me in other areas. He was able to take other things off my plate because he knew just how heavy this obligation was. And just having that bolster, having that support of the person saying, I totally, you have a whole bunch of things to do, allow me to help you over here and make it easier for you was like, I don't know. I don't know how you replace that. It's a, it's a lovely thing, but it wasn't always that way. And for me, I, I put it on myself. And you're, you're helping other people now change their money story and go from those negative emotions around money into building, you know, confidence and getting out of debt. So you launched uh, reset and rise. Uh, when did you launch that? And what are you doing with your clients? What are you teaching them? Um, tell us all about it just in case there's someone out there who wants to work with you. Oh, thank you so much. I, <laughs> so I launched reset and rise after I started working with a coach, a vision coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, she really helped me figure out exactly who I wanted to serve. And I think not unlike a lot of people who are out here coaching, we want to help people who are like us, people who, you know, have walked through the trenches of debt or being a a parent that stays at home or a parent that works from home that just isn't caring for themselves and is feeling depressed and worn out. And for me, my ideal clients are ones that they have money. They don't really know what happens to it. They're a little bit stressed or really stressed about debt. And they have a hard time imagining the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember being unable to dream and just being unable to see past this paid period. And to me, I want to help people feel safe to dream again and learn systems that allow that to happen. I want to help people build people's belief in themselves and their abilities in what the energy of money can do for them so that they can use their money to help lift their communities, to help fund their values and their dreams, and to be able to realize them, to know what they are so that they know where they're going instead of doing all the work of treading water, which Mm. is so exhausting. It's, Mm. and it's a victory sometimes treading water, but it's tiring to stay there for a long time. And so I work with people over six months. I used to do it for three months and uh, I would get emails at month five from clients going, Oh, I 
every time I open my bank accounts, I can't even thank you enough. I can't believe I have money set aside for adventure right now. Like I could do anything. They, they feel unstoppable. Or, you know, I, I had a conversation with my partner and I felt equal for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Like these are the things that I was hearing sort of at month five going, dang it. I, I don't really get to witness it. So I stretched out the program. It's the same cost, the same number of visits. We just do it bi-weekly instead of weekly. And in six months, I've seen all kinds of transformation. I've seen people pay off, you know, $30,000 of debt in 11 months. I've seen people double their retirement savings. I've seen people triple how much they put towards travel. Um, Just, you know, money for art and adventure and just to have choice when opportunities arise um, is just, gosh, the most fulfilling thing I think I'll ever do. And I would love to work with anybody who's looking to rewrite how they look at money and what they believe about money. I love that. It sounds so encouraging. I'm so excited. You know, money was such a big struggle. I saw, you know, my mom struggling with money and it was sort of like that money story that I had in my head that we were just always going to struggle. And so that was kind of my reality for so long. And when you start to shift, when you start to work with someone um, like a coach, it really is is like seeing where you're at now and where you want to go and putting on the GPS on your phone and just having someone guide you to your destination. And that feels really good instead of getting in your car and you're like, okay, well, I think I'm going to make a left, you know, let's make a left and find out (laughs) where we're headed. Like we'll eventually get there. So it makes it a lot quicker um, when you do, when you work with someone. So I'm so excited that you're in this money space that you're working with people like freedom with their money. You know, they can't just, yeah. like me, I can't just eat beans and rice. You know, I wish I was that person that could just be like, oh, beans and rice and, you know, pay off all the debt like right away. But not everyone is like that. So you're really catering to to um, my type of people. <laughs> <laughs> to the kind of person I am. And so that's really, really amazing. If there's a mom out there that is kind of like in the trenches right now, and she just kind of doesn't know left from right, what would be like the number one advice that you would leave her with um, before we hop off? I have two things. The first one, if they're, if you're just like, I don't know left from right right now, I think the first thing that is like really practical is figuring out how much do you need? Know that number. How much do I need to pay all my bills, get grocery, have a little fun? What is that number? Do we have it? And, and start there. Um, Cause sometimes that is very revealing. I would never suggest to go backwards and do forensic accounting and add up all of the things you don't like don't, don't look at that. Look at how much do I need this month and next month? And then a month after that, what is that number? Stay present and move forward. Don't go backwards and Mm self-flagellate. Um, so in terms of practicality, figuring out that number, know your number, what do we need to earn to make sure that we get into next month comfortably and start there. And then in terms of your money story, write it, take Mm -hmm. a moment, take several moments and write down your first memory of money. 
and then ask yourself what what does that what could that mean why why did that stick out why does that memory of money stick out for me mm-hmm. and they're they're considered uh they've been called by Dr. Brad Klontz uh financial flashpoints and there are little moments in your life that affect how you interact with your money going forward and it's essentially the chapters of your money story your money mm-hmm. future and i would say take the time to write yourself a letter about it and and write that money story this is how i got here and give so much compassion to that version of yourself to all of those versions of yourself a lot of our money stories are gifted <laughs> i'm air mm-hmm. quoting gifted yeah. to us um and we can decide if they are something that we need to judge or something we use for discernment and we can be thoughtful and change course and interrupt that pattern and decide how you want to finish the story. So I would, I would write your money story up to this point. Yeah. I love that you shared with us how you came up top, like you you're doing it and how you decided to pivot as well, because you realized that it wasn't working for you and how you're just bringing in this like fresh perspective into money management. So thank you again for your time. Yeah, this was so fun. Thank you so much, Sandra, for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I know you're walking away with new money management tools, a new perspective on debt, and just money in general. I love how Loren talks about money and how she just brings joy to money. If you find that money is an area that you want to strengthen and you vibed with Loren, then you can definitely reach out to her via Instagram. She's at lb.coaching, which will be linked down below in the show notes. Before you go though, don't forget to do one or all of the things like share this episode with a friend, post us on your Instagram stories. We are at more of me podcast. I love seeing where and how you're enjoying the podcast each week. And last but not least, leave a review. Thanks again for being a part of this community. And as always, I'll catch you all next week for a new episode. Much love mama.